0: and discover X10 Pro Omni,
1: the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music. For all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com/newsadfree. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
2: Welcome to AI Named This Show. I'm Tasia Custodi,
0: And I'm Tristan Jutra.
2: And we're once again your human hosts. And today we've got some AI news and then we dig in to some new AI chatbots. Romantic, oy, automotive, <gasps> and otherwise. <laughs> And hello to our listeners in Ireland. That's a place on my bucket list, Tristan.
0: Hello. How do you say hello in Irish or Celtic? Because we should have looked that up.
2: Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very good question. But Tristan, what's going on with Meta and IBM? Are they teamed up now? Did I read this right?
0: Indeed. Earlier this month, the uh, AI uh, Alliance made an announcement. It's a collaboration of more than 50 companies and groups led by Meta and IBM, indeed, to create an industry body working on open-source artificial intelligence and combating risk issues. The AI Alliance aims to share information and learning to safeguard the responsible development of AI and its related advances, as a, you know, opposed to the closed or proprietary systems that require payment for access and use, or even just like the closed-door development. Um, The alliance also includes Intel, AMD, NASA, the National Science Foundation, the Linux Foundation, Harvard University, and a variety of other companies and international organizations and uh, institutions, universities and whatnot. They want to reflect the diversity of the AI ecosystem and foster an open community that can enable developers and researchers to accelerate responsible innovation in AI while ensuring scientific rigor, Trust, safety, security, diversity, and economic competitiveness. So all the good things, much of which we've been talking about over the last few months here on AI Name the Show. They have uh, six priority areas that they've identified that they are working on as they launch this venture, Uh, developing and deploying benchmarks. So creating standards, tools, and resources for responsible AI development at a global scale, including a catalog of vetted safety, security, and trust tools. Sounds like they're trying to get ahead of the whole regulation thing and show that they're being good actors here. Advancing open foundation models, promoting the ecosystem of diverse open foundation models, including multilingual, multimodal and science models to address societal uh, challenges. Fostering AI hardware accelerator ecosystems. So they want to boost contributions and adoption of essential software technology to foster a vibrant AI hardware accelerator ecosystem. So that mix of hardware and software. They want to support a global AI skills building. So uh, an exploratory research, engaging the academic community to contribute to AI model and tool research projects, hence the large number of universities uh, that are involved here, developing educational content and resources to inform public discourse and policymakers, that's key, on AI benefits, risks, solutions, and precision regulation as opposed to, say, like blanket regulation, and then launching open AI initiatives. So not to be confused with open AI, the organization or the company, this is True open AI. like well, that's open, confusing, open, right? <laughs> uh, they want to encourage open development of AI in its safe and be- safe and beneficial ways, and host events to showcase responsible use of open technology and AI. Of course, one of the organizations not involved here is OpenAI itself. I didn't see Microsoft on the on the list uh, either, or uh, or X for for that matter. But you know, it's they got fifty organizations here, and again. Trying to be doing trying to do the right thing, but importantly to be seen to be doing the right thing to help avoid things like blanket regulation and legislation, more precision there. So
2: I'd like well, to know who also writes their statements. Let's get every buzzword in there. <laughs> There's a lot let's, of let's get all the things we think we should say. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll see what they actually do, I guess is what we say a lot on this podcast, isn't it?
0: They, they want to advance open, safe, responsible <sighs> <notplayer> AI, Tasia. And I'm sure that you know, all the EACs, effective accelerationists are probably like, boo, let's just do this already.
2: <laughs> I was literally just going to go, <"Görné> I'm snoring. <laughs> let's get on with it.
0: <routinely> uh, but I think reasonable people can you know, disagree on details, but hopefully most people agree that there should be some, you know, concern about, you know, some guardrails, some... Some concerns about safety and whatnot. And of course, I think one of the key things are education was one is is a key element there. Uh, because we don't we want to avoid misinformation and fear mongering about AI at the same mm-hmm. time. So again, a lot of this is optics being seen to be doing the right thing. Oh no, no, it's responsible AI development here. Don't worry. And you know, IBM and Meta being big players in the space. Um, you know, it's it sends a signal.
2: Well, you mentioned AI safety, and we've talked a lot about it on this show, but I would like to now tell you a little story, Tristan, (laughs) about a student project known as Predicting Image Geolocations, or what they're calling Pigeon for short. It has revealed that AI can be really, really good at geolocating where photos are taken. So I just wanted to just want you to think about that for a second because we're going to get into some pros and some safety cons. But this pigeon project was designed by three Stanford graduate students in order to identify locations on Google Street View. So when presented with a few personal photos it had never seen before, the program was, at least in most cases, able to accurately guess about where the photos were taken. This is obviously very cool, but it's a little bit concerning as well for a myriad of privacy reasons so like on the cool side if we actually think about this you could use it to identify like locations of old snapshots you know like some old like fun family photos you find in like your scrapbooks remember when people used to actually print photos and we put them in, in photo books, mixed
0: crap they were books. called
2: photo albums, <laughs> and we would Ugh. physically look through them and hold them in our hands. And like, you can—I mean, I would—I did that with like all my parents' stuff sometimes, and like would look back at like all their photos from like before I was around and just, you know, think about the life they had before kids came along and all this kind of stuff. Well, like, think about how cool that would be. Like, you could really identify locations. If you were wondering, like, I have family in Italy, and like, oh, where's that photo? Or like something else cool. You could be like, hey, I want to take this trip to Fiji. I can't afford it. It's too far. So theoretically, you could use an AI system to be like, okay, here's a photo of like the vibe I want, (laughs) the trip I want. Like, what's something near me? Like, what's something closer like this? You know, and you don't really have to do too much explaining. So that's all really cool. But on the flip side, it obviously... Could be used to expose rather sensitive, maybe personal information about people that they really never intended to share in the first place. So, like, I'm immediately thinking of kids' safety online and how scary it already is, like, with social media. So, now to think like with a program like this, anyone could just grab the location of a child based on a set of photos or even one photo, theoretically. I think about like stalkers, there's been a lot of like stalking cases in the news and such. And so it's really kind of scary when you think of like a program like this being widely used. And also the fact that like just sidebar for a second, this was developed by like three Stanford students. So it wasn't even like, like a big company doing this right now, which we can get into in a second. But I think you might find the backstory a little bit interesting, Tristan, because this program was developed really out of this computer science class at Stanford. So it's three friends who work together. Um, We've got Michael Strecka, Silas Alberti, and Lucas Haas. I'm probably saying their names very much incorrectly. But they had been players, like they play this Swedish game called Geogusser, which Geogusser. Geogusser. Yeah, (laughs) but I think you'd say it with like an accent. Really? It's a Swedish game.
0: But it's guesser. Come on. We don't we don't need to it's... overthink it. You have to Please. say it with a Swedish accent and then you get canceled. Swedish people help me
2: out and they're gonna be like, She didn't say it with the right accent anyway. Geo guesser, fine god but it's a game where you have to guess and like you have to geolocate photos so basically like you enter into the game you're placed somewhere in the world on google street view and then you're supposed to like place a pin on the map and that's your best guess on what that location actually is have you heard of this game tristan
0: (laughs) Uh, I haven't heard the game per se, but I've heard of the fellow that they got involved, Uh. who's one of the top geoguessers in the world. I saw some of his stuff last year and hit the process that he goes through. I know you're going to talk about him in a sec. But, you know, you raise a good point earlier on about the whole privacy notion of this, because when we're uploading stuff to social media, for example, it tends to strip out the metadata. So we have, we've kind of developed this sense of um, reassurance and security that even if we're posting, you know, photos of events that may be personal or otherwise, at least, you know, weirdos don't know where the photos were taken necessarily, especially if there's no identifying marks. But the fact that this stuff can can narrow things down to like 90 and 92 percent of the time it can figure where the location is within about 44 kilometers that's not
2: yeah so this this game that it's based off of has over 50 million players by the way many of which are youtubers and twitch streamers obviously you know naturally so like when these guys wanted to see if they could build an ai player to do better than humans. That's really why they were like, well, this is going to be the project we're going to do. So they started with an existing system for analyzing images. It's called Clip. And it's basically like a neural network program that can learn about visual images just by like text about them. And by the way, that is built by OpenAI. Clip is built by OpenAI. So the difference here was that the students trained their version of the system on Google Street View. So they created their own data set of about, I think like 500,000 Street View images, which really, if you think about it, is not a lot of data we're talking about. Like if you think of all the Google Street View images that are out there, it's vast. So the team added then additional pieces to that algorithm, including one that helped the AI classify images by their position on the globe. And then when completed, the Pigeon system could identify the location of a Google Street View image anywhere on earth and you mentioned accuracy it's actually 95% correct so like 95% of the time it can pick the location within about 25 miles of the actual site so naturally they pitted their pigeon model against a pro who you brought up earlier his name is Trevor Rainbolt so you you know you've seen some of his viral stuff I'm sure a lot of people have come across it somewhere online even if the name doesn't seem familiar I guarantee you you've probably seen his stuff come online because he's come a little bit viral for like he's a legend now in like this geotagging world and like people will challenge him online like people he doesn't know total strangers they'll send him a photo and be like oh yeah figure this out or something <laughs> like that and He's really good. He can do it. So and he goes through wanted... the whole
0: process, like sh- sh- yes. looking for identifying things. It could be the style of the architecture. It, I mean, the one one I saw him do last year. It was it was in a back alley somewhere. But he yes. based on the the type of garbage cans that were there, and he he was able to get really really close. It was
2: wild. It's like this is the type of AI. This is like the detective work <laughs> we need, and he's just out there doing it. And it's it's. Really incredible. So naturally, obviously, they pitted Pigeon against him because why not? But the thing here is, Pigeon beat him in multiple rounds. So the reason this is a big deal, like for those that don't know, is this is not the first AI model that has been pitted head to head against him. Like they do, they've done this a few times, but this is the first one that beat him
0: oh, that and then Gary, beat is, him
2: multiple times. This is
0: Gary Kasparov versus IBM Deep Blue moment.
2: <laughs> Ooh, so what we're saying here is this is powerful and it works really well. So like, cause here's like one of the tricks that AI has up its sleeve, as opposed to humans, it's all like the little things, the little nuanced details. Like you were mentioning like the garbage can thing, but with something like AI, like it can really pinpoint soil or foliage or like figure out the weather based on, (laughs) on an image. And some of these things like the human eye, might miss Mm -hmm. so it's it's really really remarkable and you know the the thing i mentioned before to you that i just find kind of crazy is like this is just three dudes i mean i'm calling them three dudes they're obviously very smart (laughs) gentlemen who created this for a project at stanford but like we're not even talking about google that created Mm -hmm. this thing so like you can only imagine the power of something that was created by if you know just by them if it's created by a big company and i really just want to bring up quickly to you like you know we kind of take some things for granted we don't really think a lot about certain things like think of the tech google already has that does this apple like go into your photos app right now it will tell you where you took the photo and so it's like these things already exist like even like just based on the location of where you've been Mm -hmm. so it's like It's the concern here, like it's very cool, but I want to be clear, the concern here is once this starts hitting the masses and we remove those safeguards, like you're mentioning with certain things that happen with social media where we've pulled out that metadata, like that's when it becomes a little concerning. Something else for parents to keep their, you know, keep thinking about when you're keeping your family and your kids safe online and also, just for everyone to, you know, make sure if you're putting any type of photo out there, potentially, you're doxing yourself.
0: <laughs> exactly. At that... least
2: within 25 miles.
0: <laughs> so in the past when you would have thought that maybe you're, you know, it's fine because it's just, all well, you're just in a park somewhere. Well, if if you had a stalker, as you mentioned, and they were really motivated to track you down, they could use a, a tool like this. It mm-hmm. also speaks to the the open nature of some of these data sets, like that some organizations have collected over the decades and then have made available through in you know, APIs and the like, so as to enable projects like this, which is kind of cool. Going back to that last story about, you know, the openness and the collaboration and all that. It's not, you know, having the data for training AI and then unleashing that AI on new things to solve problems, even if they seem relatively trivial. But it if you think about You know, if you could take like historical photos, what if you're going through family photos and you're like, I want to know where this photo was taken. If mm-hmm. you could, you know, take, you know, snap it on your smartphone and then put it into a system like this, it may help you go, you know, especially for the completists, the GPS, or the geotagging completists who get annoyed by the photos in their library that, like, I get a little annoyed by this. The photos that you took before we had GPS-enabled point-and-shoot cameras and before we had smartphones that had GPS built in, that was automatically geotagging our photos so you can see the lovely map view and see the photos you took in different places around the world, well... All the stuff before the GPS is not tagged. Anything you've scanned in from old photos, not tagged. What if you could just dump all that into a, a model like this and have it figure it out for you? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be handy?
2: Yes, I, I'm thinking. And just um, handing over
0: all your all your data to them to use for their further training. I'm thinking
2: of course. it's another uh, Google Magic something up its sleeve mm-hmm. on their one of their next iterations is. We do everything else is magic, so why don't we do this? But it's very neat. It's just a cautionary neat, is how I will cap well, like, that. Like story most of the stuff
0: cautionary. seems to be a common theme. <laughs> well, once you figure out uh, where that photo was taken, well, maybe you could get your TomTom Tom and Microsoft powered uh, generative AI uh, automotive assistant to take you there. What do, you, what do you think hmm. about that?
2: Because... Tell me more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, TomTom, the makers, longtime makers of navigation uh, software and hardware, has announced a new conversational assistant for oh, cars boy. that uses Microsoft's Azure <laughs> OpenAI service and can perform various tasks, such as navigation, infotainment, one of my favorite words, and ve- even vehicle control. Holy Lord.
2: Oh, boy. So
0: um, they, yeah, they're teaming up to, uh, with Microsoft to equip cars with this uh, assistant, and it seemed Tommy. Okay, Tom, Tom, Tommy. Nicely done. Uh, And will let people converse with their cars. Tommy will use various Microsoft AI services, uh, including the uh, Azure uh, LLMs, large language models, to provide drivers with directions, like they've been doing so far, and other infotainment tools. They claim Tommy will add an emotional layer to the interaction with the car, because that's what we've all been waiting for, of course, is to get real up close and personal with our vehicles and and to adapt the driving experience to match the driver's preferences. The, apparently the two companies had a legal dispute back in 2009 over uh, very software patents and that was resolved by TomTom Tom buying uh, the uh, software in question from Microsoft and then they announced an official collaboration in 2016. So, you know, they're, they've had an on-again, yeah. off-again relationship but it sounds like things are going better now. Some may recall that back in the day, was at 2011 when Apple and Google had their little dispute uh, over mapping and Google uh, Apple decided to go and roll their own, the whole Apple Maps fiasco. They had actually bought the data from TomTom. And TomTom, you would, would have thought, had pretty good data, but maybe it just wasn't as up-to-date as Google's, especially since they weren't doing Street View and whatnot. That whole dispute was over Google refusing to provide Apple with uh, vector maps and um, and uh, uh, turn-by-turn directions without Apple turning over customer data to Google. So there was like more to that story than a lot of people realized. So Apple rolled their own. It, Apple Maps wasn't great out of, the, out of the gate, even though they were using TomTom data. But over the years... It's gotten as good, if not better, than Google Maps in some okay. respects. Depending take on who you ask, easy. Hey, take it easy. Depe- uh, okay, Ms. Google. Not
2: but better. Than a lot Google of objective Maps. people
0: are saying. A lot of some people are switching now to Apple Maps. Believe it or not. Anyhow, quick come pull. Come on <laughs> now. It depends. It depends. Try it out. So anyhow, TomTom, Tom, Microsoft. Now we're in the, uh, you know, so TomTom's kind of a vestige of the uh, the dot-com era. People may re- recall them. And there was, you know, Garmin is still a thing, too. But TomTom's trying to regain some relevance in a world where everyone has maps on their smartphones. So you know, but so TomTom's not really, you know, I think Apple is using other sources now aside from TomTom. But it's still kind of unclear who actually asked for an AI assistant that lets one talk to their car um, and whether this will appeal to consumers, well, I, I have to question the, the premise of that entire question because, hello, Knight Rider, <laughs> who's asking for it? Like, every every geek that was ever watched that series back in the <laughs> early 80s, yes, we want to talk to our cars. There's, on uh, Periphractic's Retro Recipes, a popular uh, retro YouTube channel, he spent the last year outfitting, or a couple of years outfitting First is Tesla, he made a Kit Tesla, and then he bought an old uh, you know, a car from Knight Rider and has been refurbing it and making it so he could talk to it with an app and whatnot. This is, you know, forty years later getting to the point where we will actually be able to interact with our vehicles in a conversational matter, hopefully access all the system controls. Otherwise it's gonna be really frustrating if you if you wanna tell it to turn on, you know, the seat heaters in the back or something and it doesn't do it for you. Especially I'm since sorry, so many car I cannot makers are going help you with that. It's like, oh, as a, as a large language model, I'm not, I'm not not trained (laughs) to turn on 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 heaters. It's like, come on. But this, this is the thing, Tristan, it's only good if
2: it works and if it's accurate.
0: Yeah, it can't be, it can't be 80%. It's got to be 99.
2: No, I think of still the frustration with, with the basic smart home tech as an example that we have. Mm -hmm. We're talking to our smart speakers that shall remain nameless. Pick one. And you think of the frustration and especially, I mean, any age, but also generational. Like, so whether your frustration is she just doesn't answer the question or generational sometimes where it's like you're trying to ask something in a prompt that it it's not there yet. It's not understanding that. So the the key with this is going to be how conversational is it? What's the understanding? What's the accuracy? And is it actually easy to use and intuitive for people of all ages? (laughs) Or is this going to be more frustrating? Because like my parents and I joke around all the time like, and I'm like this too, all these newer cars, like the more freaking tech they put in these cars, the more convoluted, it's harder to operate. It's so frustrating. You're like, where is the button for the one thing? Like, why is everything so like, it's got to be high tech now. So I just caution that this could go very much in that direction. Knight Rider was great because it worked and it was cool.
0: It worked because it was science fiction.
2: <laughs> right. It was perfectly executed.
0: But That's... we're getting we're getting there. When you think about it, it's just a question in terms of the understanding and the conversations you can have with these chatbots now. It's just a question of making sure everything is hooked up on the system side. And especially given I don't know about you, but I get a little frustrated with more and more cars now, they're getting rid of physical buttons and switches and everything is going into either capacitive switches in some cases or just throwing everything into a smart or a touchscreen Tesla and and Rivian style it's like some of them even want to be able to, you know, make you do turn signals using a touchscreen. Like, no, thank you. And I think that's not actually allowed. But so many things, like, oh, to open the glove box, you got to like navigate a menu on the on the touchscreen.
2: Like, get bent. I'm sorry. Get so, bent. <laughs> if, <laughs> that's the slogan for AI. Name this show. Get bent. <laughs> so, if
0: if but if you could say, hey, you know, hey Tom, Tom, hey Tommy, open the glove box, will you? And if it does it, if you don't have to wait five seconds, cool.
2: I know what or you could just <laughs> lean over and open the glove box.
0: <laughs> Get your kid to do it for crying out loud. Oh, there's you know, they got to sit in the back seat because so the airbags don't kill them. Anyhow, um, but it, this it just just actually reminded me there was another recent announcement not AI related but Automotive related, where Aston, I think, remember uh, about a year and a half ago at WWDC, Apple was uh, teasing got bespoke CarPlay interfaces for all, for all sorts of vehicles, and then afterwards, most of the vehicle makers like, what? We didn't agree to that. But apparently, <laughs> Aston Martin and Porsche have been teasing 2024 models running this next generation of Apple CarPlay, which not just doesn't just limit to to your basic. Uh, Rectangular uh, phone mirroring screen, but takes over the entire uh, one or more dis- displays in the dashboard of your car. But my point being is that <laughs> who knows what Apple's doing with AI on the on the on the language model side. But if someday they're able to get Siri smarter, they've already got an in. Think of how many cars run CarPlay. I mean, where's Google in this space too? They're with Android Auto. So now we're going to leave it to TomTom Tom and Microsoft. So n- n- so the so Google and Apple've got to wake up because this. I think this is a no-brainer to be able to talk to your car. I'm not sure about the emotional relationship per se. Um,
2: People are going to start falling in love with their cars.
0: So is it healthier to fall in love with their cars? Or is it healthier to fall in love with some other kind of chatbots, Tasia? Are you ready to
2: enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined.
1: Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to Amazon.com slash news ad free. That's Amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
2: Well, I was just thinking when you take your car that's equipped with a chatbot out for a ride, you could just you don't need a physical person with you. You could take your A.I. romantic Chatbot love of your life, <laughs> with you if you will. I would like. To, I can't say I'd like to introduce you to, because this whole thing pisses me off, Tristan. But I, there's yet another new AI chatbot in town. Okay. Okay.
0: Before we before we get into it, let's let's set the table a little bit from from last spring. Remember, in the spring 2023, we were talking on our other show, Momentous Live, about an app called Call Annie. Remember Call Annie? And then there was all sorts of other. Um, other personalities that you could access in the Call Annie app including was it Bro9000 who's the total bro and there was some interesting conversations this is all powered by you know Chat GPT. again like this one we're about to talk to also a redhead there's something about AIs and, and redheads I don't know but you could it's just to have someone to talk to have a friend there's a lot of lonely people out there loneliness is like one of the number one epidemics worldwide uh-huh. right now that's so, not what I'm angry about yeah, so it's a question is is this healthy there you, we'll, we'll get you know there could be some therapeutic uses etc etc cetera, et cetera. but this what you're about to talk to is another level altogether.
2: So this is Digi. This is version I should say 1.0 of Digi. And Digi is being billed as the future of romantic companionship. It's available on iOS and Android and it They're saying is designed to be kind of redesigned for each person, customized, fine-tuned for each specific user. So they launched this in a thread on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. And let's just say that not a lot of people were very impressed. So there's this 11 second-ish promo, I guess you can call it a promo video that they posted on X, like of a version of this chatbot. And let me just say Tristan like <laughs> got ratioed hardcore <laughs> for the record. She is this, I'm going to say she because that's what this chatbot is mm-hmm. a depiction of an animated it is not human likeness because it's like an, an like an yeah, animated it's sort character. of quasi
0: Pixar style.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's this stereotypical doe-eyed, big-boobed, hair-flipping, eyelash batting caricature of a woman
0: but she's totally into me tasia i'm
2: immediately enraged i'm immediately (laughs) enraged so don't play your whole people are lonely whatever i get it this is like some gross white men we're sitting around in a room hey let's not bring race
0: into it come on
2: let's sexualize (laughs) our ai chatbots because this is the market we're going for and by the way it's not just me that (laughs) there's a lot of people that are upset like feels this way but anyway mm-hmm. i i want you to i'm going to quote something from one of their posts directly while they were promoting this this is something they posted to x they said to make a u-, like the reason they made this was to make a unique style that eliminates the uncanny valley while also feeling real human and sexy this has never been done before with disney or pixar characters so we're very excited we can make it work for the first time in history are you kidding me First of all, you're going to tell me that our Disney characters aren't weirdly sexualized and have, like, insane body proportions and bat their doe eyes. But anyway, so, like, don't say this hasn't been done before. But, like, this is, like, an even more sexualized version of what, like, a Disney character would be. It just goes on from there. They In this little post, they talk about, like, the tech and how they built, like, the voice behind these characters characters, these AI chatbots, and then they talk about the relationship progression that you can have where you can start out as friends and then get more intimate. I just want to be very clear. I just want to be very clear. They're using the word intimate. I would never use the word. You can't be intimate with a freaking chatbot. Well,
0: intimate means different things, right? Oh, sure, Tristan. With a sexy little chatbot. intimacy. Yeah. I don't think there's any peripherals yet.
2: This is just like... (laughs) so gross i want to pull up some of these responses on is it more X. is it
0: more gross than than all sorts of I mean may I introduce you to something called online porn <laughs> or like you know anime that's been highly you know highly sexualized over the decades but that's not what to this mention reminds all the AI generated of. stuff right
2: that's what this reminds me of it's like a se- like a sexualized that's, that's been anime totally
0: normalized thing. though right so how is this is, I know, would, but would this now... not be more wouldn't this be better because oh there's actually a personality there it's not just like uh, it's not like an empty vessel on the screen this is Uh, This is an an entity with its own thoughts and feelings that you can develop an emotional relationship with.
2: No, because you're not healthier. Absolutely not. Because now these people that are already addicted to whatever, whether it is online porn, I don't really care. You do you. It's like now they're going to develop this, I guess, emotional connection on their end with something that is not real. Tristan, it doesn't exist so i want to read some of these replies just a couple from x so someone wrote why (laughs) (laughs) and another person wrote no 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 No. no. stop this contributes nothing to humanity another user says which episode of black mirror is this (laughs) so i mean these these just continue Just because you can make something doesn't mean you should. This times 100. Mm -hmm. They go on. I don't think there's one positive response. Wow. All the worst parts of a relationship without any of the good bits. (laughs) It really is just... It
0: feels like... I guess the question is, ultimately, does it resonate with the target audience? You know, I think the cynical well, person obviously say all oh, your yeah, target this is... audience is well, not
2: on X because yeah. none of these comments Which is
0: which some might think is surprising, quite honestly.
2: People want them to be launched into the sun.
0: <laughs> I'm just I'm just proud that you're calling it X now. I'm well not. Done. It's still twitter.com you're, you're, by the you're you're way, growing.
2: so it's <laughs> As a like And it's still a post but, or but tweet. But to your it. point,
0: you know, people have characterized the current X in a certain way. Yeah. And the fact that they're getting such a negative response from what many might might assume is the kind of target audience of X so the backlash is it may be a bit un, un, unexpected which is which is wild and i agree like i don't do not think this is healthy just just to be clear but at the same time is it any worse than any of the other stuff that's been <laughs> infiltrating the internet for for ages and ages and do people have as much of a problem with those things which actually involves the defilement of real human beings, let's say, you know, for fun and profit, uh, as opposed to this, where it's just a, a programmed chatbot. So I'm just wondering if how people consistent people are in their opinions about something like this. I honestly think it might promote some unhealthy attachments, quite frankly, yes. and create unreasonable expectations, like a lot of said other questionable media does online, and which a lot of people, a surprising number of people, like, partake in but this is like oh wow like it, it's it feels like e- e- we're going to get to the point where reality you know reality and fantasy are even more blurred together and that doesn't feel great and i you know we talked about the, you know the loneliness ec- epidemic is a real thing this doesn't feel like the best solution quite frankly
2: no and i think part of the concern and like when you go through all these replies on this thread there there are some you know a few kind of recurring comments about people kind of comparing this to like being the next jewel do you remember j-u-u-l the the e-cigarette situation or whatever the vape for that really targeted youth yeah it really targeted youth and so that would be kind of a concern here in terms of like i i don't know their target market so i can't speak to it but you can imagine vulnerable people you've got kids online that are already socially awkward Mm -hmm. and now this you know so it's a bit of a concern but i just want to leave you with amy nixon's comment on twitter that i really really liked and she said men who can do amazing feats such as hold a conversation with a real woman are going to do abs- are going to absolutely clean up during the next decade and amy you're right girl <laughs> let me tell you right now so put your phone down people
0: yeah I mean, it's it's complicated because you know neurodiversity is a thing, and I think all the tech that we've been surrounded with over the last couple of decades has actually exacerbated that situation because now people don't have to engage with people in, in you know in real life, let alone you know th- the phone or what have you. We've all been we were isolated for a couple, you know a long time with the pandemic and whatnot. So there are some real I think deep-seated societal ills that this is more like a symptom of. It's trying to be uh, you know a bit of a, a therapy for it, but. I, uh, you know and when one I, you know to steel man it a bit maybe one could argue that you know, well one could practice one's social skills with a with a tool like this to go and use in the real world but again people might be a little surprised when perhaps people in the real world don't react the same way and that's all part of that entire in-self, you know, sort of phenomenon where maybe people have been inge- you know, in, uh, consuming a little too much like online porn and whatnot, and then they go out and talk to, you know, they have unreasonable expectations about what a relationship with a real flesh and blood human being is like, right? So it seems to me that, if I had to guess, that this is just going to be more of the same kind of making things worse than actually better, you know, you know despite their intentions. And it's not like their intentions are, yeah, we're going to make society better. We're going to try and make money yeah. off this thing. I mean, it's hard to mind read, but... Um, But, you know, the next evolution of this Tasia could be putting characters like this into like a full size, you know, booth hologram booth type situation, which there's uh, a couple of companies. And so one of the companies working on uh, projects like this is called Proto Hologram, and it kind of started off as a... You know, this telepresence, Zoom replacement, so you can be talking with people uh, you know, around uh, around the world. Telepresence was a thing. You know, it was it kind of got some attention maybe, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, and you had companies like uh, Cisco and whatnot that were uh, helping create this really amazing video conferencing tools. Didn't really seem to catch on in a, in a, in a big way, but they, this company, Proto Hologram, has these, booths where you could have life-size projections of people and you could you know, interact with them. I think the idea there is that it's, it has other applications for, for, say, like a retail environment. Um, you know, so you're taking it apart from the video conferencing and putting it into this whole AI-powered version it, it kind of gets interesting. Back in September, we were talking about, oh, is AI going to take our jobs in the real world? Um, well, this is kind of a further development of that kind of tool. So this uh, company has opened its first studio and office in Miami, Florida. Not only, so not only do they have the video conferencing, the telegraphic telepresence thing, allowing anyone to beam anywhere in the world for fully interactive experiences in real time, etc., um, which is kind of, like I said, telepresence on steroids, they've also got this AI hologram assistant called Protobot. So a number of applications that could be used for include business so it can serve as a mall greeter uh, or be used for corporate training. Um, this presence in South Florida, um, this is not entirely surprising in like Miami and certain parts of Florida are really trying to reposition themselves as you know tech hub tech hubs. We've seen a lot of crypto going on there. So we'll see how real this is and whether a- Florida will also become a bit of an AI hub but um you know they're calling miami the magic city now as, as for this actual application you know it, it's again we're building these tools that were kind of it's a bit of a pivot these tools that were originally made for telepresence and now we're making them into tools for com- communicating with chatbots which is kind of it's kind of interesting but um you so know like, the, the...
2: not to sorry to interrupt but so this company Out of miami i want to make sure i'm picturing this correctly like they started as a company kind of like you remember project starline with google Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that like where you're basically like making like a 3d rendering of yourself to like make a video chat look more like it's yeah. in real life, is that what Indeed. you're saying? But yep. now they're just deciding that's well, not do- good enough. We're going to make AI chatbots.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's skate to where the puck's going, sort of thing, okay. right? So, okay. but gotcha. it, honestly, the, the the model that they've got there is like this kind of rope' it's kind of robot-looking thing, which, uh, the, the design skills. I mean, it doesn't look it's that great, good. honestly. It looks kind of.
2: <laughs> we need to link to this video for people because yeah, it's... it's sort
0: of. <laughs> I, but, mean, I, I would, mean, I would
2: rather take the 3D version of like a real human.
0: <laughs> well, how, how about a you know a busty redhead, right? So
2: we... <laughs> only if she's batting her doe eyes at me, Tristan.
0: Exactly. But you could see like an application like this being you know useful in a, say a retail environment or what have you, and you know, or uh, instead of like looking at the map in a mall, you could just like go up and say, "Hey, robot, tell me how to get to Old Navy," and yes. then. You just have to... Just, it's just not there yet. I There's mean, your application,
2: on the Tristan. I mean, you want to talk about antiquated stuff. I caught myself there. You're in a mall, which might be antiquated in and of itself, but uh, people still go. I still go. And you're trying to freaking find the floor and the location of the shop with the little you are here thing. That's a good idea, TJ. Right?
0: There's our first million. Yes. Our... our Second million, after this show, of course. I was like, Don't play it. <laughs> so again, this is—it seems like early days. They've got so there's, there's some kind of idea there. It seems, feels like a little bit of a pivot or like an add-on to their business. Uh, I think watch this space. I think this, it, that space is going to be heating up. We, we've talked about AI avatars on like shopping channels and live streams and, and whatnot. This is kind of the evolution um, of that idea, but making them more interactive and not just like a broadcast sort of model. So, but uh, maybe they can uh, eventually uh, position them to help you out at an AI garage sale, Tasia.
2: Yeah. Have you heard of, have you heard of AI garage sale? Like it's an actual thing.
0: I know. I want to haggle with a computer about prices for sure. That sounds like.
2: Literally what it is. So like I was going to go into this whole explanation. That's literally what it is. It's an online marketplace where you haggle with different ai chatbots for real products it's an actual thing and the ais are in full charge of the prices by the way so like this is the brainchild of like this la art studio brain it sounds like the kind of thing
0: mischief would do but it's uh, they've yeah. a they've got a rival now
2: yeah so it's i guess mainly powered by open ai but they've done like some intensive Training and learning to, like, teach the AI's chatbots how to barter, I guess. And so Mm -hmm. it there appears to just be like really random items for sale. So a Mashable reporter tried this like right now, if you go to the site, it is. Like, they're sold out. So, like, it's legit called AI Garage Sale. It's AIGarageSale.com, but it's sold out. So, like, there's no products for me to, like, try this with at the moment. This guy tried to
0: buy a a Tamagotchi from 1997 and a big-nose Billy Bass wall fish thing. Like, random
2: stuff. There was, like, a roll of $1 George H.W. Bush presidential coins. Like, you know, the kind of random things you would find at a garage sale. Perfect. So, it's it's literally just picture a chat like like a like a typed out chat with an ai bot and then you decide if you want to haggle further or if you just want to buy the item for like the price that you guys have agreed to basically and the bots can also go up though so like if they perceive like you know maybe they're like offended by you like lowballing, or maybe just because like They're not great at numbers, but they can also go up. So if you do try this at sale.com, and if maybe you're too harsh or you don't use the right language or you go too low and you offend them, just be aware that that price can go up. But like each time you're haggling or you're like doing a conversation over an item, the AI like has a new name so it's it's basically taking on a persona as if it's like a salesperson so that's why i'm calling them ais like as plural because it's like you could be talking with a different quote-unquote person and it comes up with a name a backstory like the the details that they're gonna like and they, use to bargain about, against you basically one,
0: one of them's complaining about its boss saying it's a total yes. karen
2: <laughs> yes
0: i hate my life and my job sure i'll give you a deal <laughs>
2: so what this reporter from Mashable found was that it actually they got a better deal they got it to haggle more with them when they made a human connection so when they connected on oh oh your boss sounds like the worst you know it would really get them off your back a sale you know like they're just like (laughs) using that backstory and then the chatbot's like omg you get me <laughs> like, it's just like it's wild it's really really wild so it's ai garage Sale.com. where are they even getting all this random stuff by the way is that why it's like i think because it's like an art it's a place out of la like i think they literally just ran out of stuff so like it's just like it's sold out right now and they have to like get to new random and- things <laughs> yeah exactly to like sell online but as a side note like we named some like random stupid kind of stuff but like As a side note, this reporter also, and I don't know how real this is. Like, I I would actually be weary of, like, trusting this for, like, big ticket items. But, like, there was, like, Olivia Rodrigo tickets on there that they, like, haggled for. They didn't actually make a purchase, by the way, because they were also a little bit worried about, like, is this for real or whatever? And the tickets were also crazy resale price that... We're like, I, I, astronomically I love its use more of emoji. But.
0: Wow, in this one particular conversation,
2: it must be like a fellow millennial chatbot because it uses a lot of oh, emojis. That, may, that might be I'm Gen Z. That's
0: hardcore here. Um. No, no,
2: millennials are they roast us for using too many emojis. Oh, but uh, do
0: they? Okay. I,
2: yeah. But yeah, so that's kind of interesting. AI garage What will people think of next? And more importantly, why?
0: <laughs> but to bring this full circle, if you think about the emotional intelligence required to be able to negotiate successfully with someone. Going back to the whole <laughs> busty redhead AI romantic bot, tools like this could actually provide some good practice for people whether they're you know neurodivergent, they have or social anxiety or what have you. And if you had more real-world exercise kind of tools like this where there are real consequences and it's not just fantasy role-playing kind of stuff. I I could see how this may actually be helpful and even therapeutic in its own way and also capitalism.
2: Well, so then explain to me what you would think are some some good examples of like the best AI chatbots. Like, what are we talking here? Because obviously I'm salty today and I'm very much (laughs) against Busty LaRue over there. So...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Le rouge for red, come on. Oh, yes.
1: (laughs) Yes.
2: Pardonnez-moi.
0: Well, it just so happens, Teja, that we'll have links in the show notes for a uh, a bunch of best AI chatbots. One article from ZDNet back in July and a more recent one and more comprehensive one from uh, Zapier and their blog uh, just from early December. And of course, all the the tried and true ones there we've got Google Bard and we've got ChatGPT and and Anthropic Claude and Meta's Llama 2 uh, model and we've got Poe that we've talked about of course if you don't like the AI safety safety off you got Grok from XAI but where it gets even more interesting is ones that have more niche kind of uses so you know Khan Academy has their own chatbot for learning called Khanmigo. You've got um, some for uh, content writing, like Jasper Chat. There's one called Chat Spot for sales and marketing. Um, so there's all these, uh, all these specific, niche kind of uh, uh, chatbots that are available, and we will, uh, like I said, link these in the uh, show notes for you for, to to try out. Because it, it, the large language models uh, and you know, the the garden variety LLMs are great, but if you want, like we were talking last month about the custom GPTs. What's well, this is sort of like, sort of like that, except these are not necessarily powered by OpenAI. Uh, some of them are, of course, but they are you know, specific, um, specifically tuned for these various tasks. So uh, we, like I said, we'll have that in the show notes for people to check out. Uh, in addition to that, Uh, We'll also have a link if you've got a little bit of time over the holidays and you want to get even more up to speed on AI, even more so than we we can help you do so, is uh, IBM will train you in AI fundamentals for free. They have all sorts of classes uh, available online for you to uh, check out. And some of them uh, are in uh, areas like AI ethics. And other courses include natural language processing, computer vision, machine learning, uh, deep learning, and AI careers. Uh, this article in the show notes. It will also have links at the bottom to other articles that feature free AI courses from Amazon, OpenAI, deep learning. So you can get a, a real uh, good foundation in artificial intelligence and its applications. It's, there's so much amazing material available. To us, Teja, out there, it's just just taking the time, you know, instead of watching Netflix, it's like, oh, maybe let me do a 30 minute course from IBM and know more about this stuff and think how it could help me in my personal life or especially for uh, business and professional applications.
2: It's very cool to get offered free training. Uh, Like I would say, absolutely, time could best be spent doing something like this, as opposed to how much we waste (laughs) in a day with our free time. but. Yeah, it, it looks like a really great course. I kind of want to do it.
0: And But we'll, then we'll be so smart.
2: Guys, and I'm basically going to run what show IBM after. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tristan, we've nailed another one. I don't know what to tell you. They just keep going by... Is this 18? Is this something episode like that
0: something like wow that. i can't even keep track anymore
2: what are we gonna do when we hit 20 years old oh oh, oh only episodes perfect perfect oh, yeah exactly <laughs> well thank you all so much for tuning in to ai name this show once again we really do appreciate you if you're listening on apple podcasts oh we would very much love it if you could leave us a review over there please 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 share this with a friend because shares also help it helps push us to more people, which is what this is all about. Don't, don't we want our just overflowing fountains of wisdom hitting as many people as possible? Share
0: it <laughs> Thank- with your favorite AI chatbot. We got to train those models to start recommending us as well.
2: Please do. Let us know if you get your chatbot to recommend us. We really want to know. Send your feedback to feedback at AINamedThisShow.com. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of AI Named
1: This Show.
0: AI?